Good evening. I haven't sat in a chair like this for two years. This is certainly the highest chair, but I am not the chief person here tonight. We have two very wonderful people who are going to come on the sofa. Can you give a very, very warm welcome to Bill and to you? Just whatever you're comfortable. You're very, very wise. Um, it's too Bill, deep for me. It's a full congregation. Um, this this yes. is O O L. This <laughs> is uh, uh, just a little measure of the esteem and the love in which you and Ruth are held. Oh, I'm going to take the opportunity to ask you a few questions. This is not rehearsed. No, we it isn't. Even talked about the questions. <laughs> And uh, who knows what, what will develop, but uh, uh, Ruth, the question that I have been asked more than anything else is this. What was it that first attracted you to Bill? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's a very personal question. <laughs> well, we were friends from we were 18. We were part of the same group. We met at a scripture union conference in uh, Newcastle when I think I was 17 and you were 18. And so we were a group of, of friends who went to Queen's Bill the year ahead of me and me afterwards. And uh, we became all um, great friends. And uh, I think we went out off and on for a bit for a year. And then Bill went to Edinburgh and I was continuing my studies. And then when he came back from Edinburgh, I think he was a bit lost. Bill, are you uncomfortable yet? <laughs> uh, listen, from the first applause, I don't believe in applause in churches. I've been very uncomfortable, but thank you. Well, well Bill, I know what it's like to be interviewed, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you'll be kind. Oh, dear. <laughs> I hope you're so, kinder, Frank. No, no, no. I, I'm very comfortable in this seat uh, yes. tonight. So, um, Bill, how long have you been married? 40, we married in 70, 48 years. My goodness. Uh, and, and Ruth, tell us a little bit about your family. Oh, I grew up in Lurgan. Um, I had three brothers. I was number two. Um, my father was a GP and Clark um, Session of the church. So I was steeped in that from the word go. Um, my mum was also grew up in a, a Christian home and her brother and my father's sister lived next door. We were married to each other so I had double cousins who lived next door. And that was a wonderful upbringing. Uh, Did you always think you would follow in your dad's footsteps and become a doctor? No, not really. But my older brother was a doctor so sort of happened. It was um, either that or music and I toyed with the two for a while. Okay, and, and Bill, you were a Belfast boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when you asked about family, I thought you might have meant our children. Oh, we're coming to that. Oh, yeah. right. Okay, I'm glad they're not here. Um, oh, dear. I, I was uh, brought up in uh, the Seaview Estate, up the hill from Crusaders, 
Um, my dad was a clothing cutter. My mother was a damask weaver. Uh, my paternal grandfather was killed in the First World War, so my dad never knew his dad. Um, my maternal uh, grandfather was a very uh, quiet gentleman who was an elder in the church, and uh, we were brought up. Uh, Seavey was just starting off, uh, flourishing, working class, uh, evangelical congregation, and that was the my background, and uh, I went to BRA first in my family to go to a grammar school, and first in my family to go to university. Did you always want to be a minister? No. Um, I, uh, I used to give a date for when I was converted, uh, and I can still give that date, but as I've got older, I can see there were several times before and several times after when I, Jesus was very close and I, I wanted to serve him. I, I didn't want to be a, a, a minister, um, if, if I'm allowed to brag a little. I was uh, top in BRA in chemistry. Uh, and then uh, I had a very, uh, a much more dramatic experience uh, yielding to God's call to me uh, in my, well, a couple of years after I was converted about going into the ministry. Uh, and what, what do you mean a dramatic call? Okay, it was uh, uh, every meeting I went to, somebody ended up saying, and now what about full-time service? And it got so bad, I said every time I was going to something, well, right, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting to see how it comes up this in this service. And it was at a Christian Endeavor camp that I finally thought I just, I was getting miserable and I gave in. And uh, that was, I was, what, 16? And have never doubted my, either my conversion or my sense of, call. Um, I, I didn't know where I would end up, and we may come on to this later, but my, uh, the Lord has led me, uh, and shortly uh, after that, led us in ways we didn't expect. Life has been full of surprises uh, in our ministry. So it's, an, it's a life of adventure. <laughs> yes. Well, Ruth, uh, tell us a little bit about the adventure of family life and uh, the girls. We have three daughters, um, Judith, Esther and Rachel, and uh, they grew up with us until they were in their teens. Okay. So you had a very normal uh, family life and uh, that was very comfortable. Where were you ministering? Well, normal as far as, as being in a man's is concerned. Yes, yeah. Ruth? So, so tell us a little bit about uh, those early years and where you were located. And We started off in Coleraine, uh, just after we were married. Um, Bill was chaplain in the university there. And a year after I, I joined him, um, there was a new church starting on the west side of the bank and uh, Hazel Bank. And we started that off for 15 months, worked hard there. 
And that was interesting. It was brand new. It was a, a barrack of a place. It was really a warehouse. And when the, it was on the top of the hill, and when the wind blew, the, it whined. Um, keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> there was simply nothing in it anyway. It, it was a very interesting 15 months. Um, and then we uh, had a call to Everington in Londonderry. We had planned to go to uh, start a second Port Stewart. What's that called? Yes, Burnside. Burnside, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then one Sunday morning, uh, I was in a place where only males go uh, before the service. And uh, I met this stranger uh, beside me. And he, I said, oh, good to see you. Uh, and where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm from Derry. And I said, oh, fine. And then in the service, I saw him and his three mates who were <laughs> typical, you know, blue suits, brown boots, uh, uh, hearing committee, which I had known nothing about, uh, totally against church law to come and hear somebody. Uh, anyway, after the service, they came up and they said, can we see you this sometime? And I said, well, they said, what about after lunch? I said, sure. So they, they called it where we were living and they said, we believe the Lord has led us to, to call you as our minister. And I said, well, brothers, the Lord may have led you, but he hasn't said anything to me. Uh, but we, we became convinced, despite having said earlier that I could never work in, in Derry, I ended up there as the minister and uh, our family moved across. Sometimes it's when we say never to God that, I know, uh, I know. that, that, that <laughs> he can tr transform us. And, and that's a very wonderful thing. But, but oh, you, yes. were, you were in Derry at a very difficult time in the life of uh, this part of the world. Yeah, we, were, we went in 74 and we stayed to 87. So it was just two years uh, after Bloody Sunday. Um, things were lively. But we found that th there, was, th there was one good thing about, well, well I kept calling it Derry, but, but uh, you know, they- My granny called it Derry, long they, they, before there was they, any fuss, since, so. since the Shinners have, have got into calling it Derry, all the pros are London Derry. Uh, and I got a wee bit of stick, but I said, how does the sash go? It was born at, thank you. So that <laughs> shut them up. <coughs> uh, but, uh, the, the, the one thing, both the Catholic community and the Protestant community in London, Derry, if that makes you more comfortable, had, they shared a common view that they were discriminated against. All the money was going into the greater Belfast area. So they, they had a, uh, they united in a sense of uh, what? Uh, being, not getting their fair whack of things. Am I right, Alistair? Yes. Uh, and uh, we had very happy, 13 very happy years in, in uh, the city. So it was from Derry that you received your first inkling or idea that you would be thinking of Brazil? Yes. That must have come out of the blue or was that something that you had given consideration to for some time? You talk about what you did first. What did I do? Prayer line. <laughs> Oh yes, well, I've always had a, a missionary interest and I think um, my family instilled that in me. My mother 
was the local secretary of the London City Mission and the Bright Words, the Faith Mission. My aunt was a Faith Mission pilgrim. Um, and, you know, rolled along. And as Bill says, I was um, privileged to grow up in a, a good-sized home. And so everybody in the towns who came from wherever stayed with us. So we had Pastor Gage from the French Bible Mission. We had the Salvation Army man. We had, they all stayed in our house or next door. And so we were used to having missionaries all the time and, and having that missionary commitment. My aunt held a missionary prayer meeting for India. And so it wasn't unusual for, for me to think in that way. And then it, this um, came out really, I suppose, out of the blue when uh, the Brazilian pastor visited um, Northern Ireland. So Brazil hadn't really been on the agenda before and you had no Portuguese, Bill. No. Um, so so I I mean, didn't, didn't tell us about later. that process. I mean, th this is, you're, you're happily settled. You've got three teenage girls. You're in the manse. Uh, you, you have a, a, a worthwhile ministry there. And then Brazil is mentioned. T tell us about that process. Okay. okay. At that time, uh, it was getting widely known that the evangelicals in South America were rapidly growing in numbers. And uh, we were interested to know more about that. We were both, uh, I think, maybe you weren't, but I was on the overseas board, as it was then called, and I was saying, look, we gotta be interested in, God's doing something in South America, and we should be finding out what it is. Uh, but, but that was it. Uh, Ruth. Uh, was uh, helped to organize the, what became prayer line uh, and was involved in that. Uh, eventually somebody came across from Brazil and uh, the, the overseas board received an invitation uh, for a, a pastor uh, with teaching qualifications. And some people said, you know, that you fit that, and we thought we fitted that. But the, the problem was uh, we were in our, well, I was in my mid-40s, Ruth was in her early 40s, and our kids were in their teens. This is the time when sensible missionaries come home to get their kids educated, but the Adleys aren't sensible. And, uh, it, yeah. was, it wasn't sensible. It didn't make sense in, in a human sense. I mean, Ruth, looking back on that, was that a very painful time of decision or was it something that just happened? Uh, tell us about that. It wasn't an easy decision, Frank. It wasn't. Um, and we discussed it with the girls whether they would come with us, which they, they could have gone to an English-speaking school, but they'd have been in Sao Paulo, which was a full day's drive from us. Um, so they wouldn't have been able to come home every weekend anyway. It only went up to GCA, GCE or whatever it was at the time. And they'd have had to come back to then uh, finish their schooling. And they opted at that time. They might query that now, but they opted to stay here. Um, and so I always say what we did, we did in faith. Yeah, Looking back on it now, we do but it with knowledge. You know, what were things the weren't as easy as What were the arrangements Okay, for the, the arrangements for the kids were, and that... That made, made it us, possible. Made it possible for us that um, they would board, which they did at Hunter House. Um, 
that they would go to um, either my brother and his sister, sister-in-law, and my brother's here tonight, I've just noticed, and, um, or the other weekend to Bill's parents. And um, also that they would fly the girls out to us at Christmas, the overseas board would, uh, and fly them out in the summertime so that we would see them then. And I came home for the Easter holidays. So we did have the holidays always together. And the final question in this little section, and then we'll uh, have some songs and then come back again for the, mm -hmm. uh, the second part. What were your main responsibilities in Brazil and uh, what impacted you most about that time uh, of your lives? Okay. Um, well, the, the, the first impact was uh, humility. Uh, I was uh, the minister of the biggest Protestant church in, uh, in the Northwest. Uh, and uh, it was a time that uh, the, the unionists wouldn't speak to the Secretary of State because, was it the Anglo-Irish Agreement or I don't know, whatever it was. Uh, so uh, uh, churchmen, Catholic and Protestant, who would talk to the Secretary of S State were why wheeled out to dinners and things. So I had quite a few nice dinners. Uh, I, and th then I went to Brazil, where at 46 I had to learn uh, Portuguese. Uh, my boss, Brazilian boss, uh, he believed that seeing I, my first degree was in Latin and Greek classics, that I would pick up Portuguese in a fortnight. Normally you get a year to study. We got five months, was barely, it? Barely, So the, my, my, the first challenge was teaching. Uh, the second challenge was uh, the, the fact that you're in a totally different environment and we were the first PCI missionaries to go to South America. Uh, so we had no fellowship with other missionaries. Uh, and the American Presbyterians and the English Baptists took us under their wing. Uh, you go to a totally different environment. How do you open a bank account? Uh, how do you get, you know, uh, what is it, your... Uh, Seeking number. Yes, you, <laughs> so that you can be employed and get on the income tax system. Totally, absolutely lost. We. So we needed people to take us through the basic things that a six-year-old, well, not a six-year-old, but a, you know, a, a, a normal young person could do. So it was bringing us low before uh, we, we think we, uh, we were able to be of any use to the church. My responsibilities were teaching, and the Brazilians um, gave me what they didn't want to teach. Uh, Ruth, if I may continue, uh, wasn't allowed to practice medicine. She would have had to retrain and she looked at retraining and people said to her quietly, don't bother because even if you do retrain, you won't get a license here because there's a rather lucrative me uh, medical market for the middle class and they didn't want any foreigners coming in and getting another slice of their rather lucrative cake. Uh, so uh, Ruth became a music missionary, which we hadn't anticipated, uh, leading a choir and all that. 
and uh, we were both asked to serve in a local church which wasn't part of our job description but uh, I became what I am here, a kind of associate pastor and Ruth ran the music side of the local church as well as the congregation. It sounds what you're talking about is profoundly Christian because it's the Christ likeness of giving up self in order to serve and that has certainly been a mark that we uh, have appreciated. That's something I've, uh, since I was early days when I realised in my teens that Jesus had accepted me and it's John chapter 6, 37, he becomes to me, I will never drive away or cast out. And I looked on, we're saved to serve, and that's what we seek to do. We'll pick up on that in a few moments. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for leading us uh, so very well uh, in prayer. Um, I'm going to ask you in a wee minute some of the highlights of the different spheres of your ministry. Um, but just before we come to that, um, Bill, after Brazil, how long were you there? Um, we were eight years there, two terms, and then um, we came home and I did a year on deputation. And uh, towards the end of that, it looked as if I wasn't going to be called um, because, let's face it, r returning missionaries can be dangerous. Um, I, I remember a, a, a sweet lady uh, met me and said, have you changed since you've been in Brazil? And I said, I hope so, which wasn't the reply she wanted. So um, I, I preached for a few places and nobody wanted to call me. So it looked as if I was going to be on the dole. Uh, Ruth got a job almost immediately when we came home. And that was interesting because, uh, because she got a job, uh, we were on a, a married couple's allowance. So uh, then they cut my money. So that was a great thing to say to students. Uh, I'm not going, I'll have to stop this or otherwise I'll be going off on a rant. But uh, uh, that was a great thing to say to students and to others who were complaining about their, how difficult it was to survive financially. And I said, well, now, how many of you have taken a use? No, that's mm -hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, how many of you have taken a cut in pay when your wife got a job and that shut them up? Sorry, I, I've gone. So to, because I was going to be unemployed, uh, Terry McMullen, uh, there was a, a gap in Spain. And uh, so I went out and became a minister of the Spanish Evangelical Church uh, for four months and uh, ministered in the English-speaking church uh, outside Malaga. Uh, and then uh, Conlig called me and uh, I came home. And then after Conlig, you ended up in college. Yes, yes, that was a surprise. Um, because uh, when I came home, I applied for a job in college and uh, this isn't, uh, you know, mock humility, the better qualified man got it. So that was fine. Uh, and then the PT, the practical theology job came up. Uh, and m my problem with that was 
I was, um, I need to do the sums, in my late 50s. And I went to talk to the clerk of assembly, uh, Sam Hutchison, God bless him. Uh, normally you can't get a straight answer out of Sam. Uh, but I said, Sam, am I too old for this job? And he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I applied anyway, and much to everyone's surpri surprise, uh, especially mine, I got the job and was sick. Seven years was I there, and then I retired. Okay. So um, coming back to, to that question, would there be a highlight or something that stands out particularly in the different phases of your ministry, something maybe that God specifically taught you or how you felt you were able to be of service to God in the different uh, aspects of your life? Who's, this is to me? Whenever. Okay. Bertie wants to start. <laughs> um, well, let, let me... Um, my time in... I had left uh, a very successful church. Everything was going for Ebrington. Uh, there was a, a quite a sizable Protestant community still in Londonderry, and they were mostly Presbyterians, uh, and they were members of, of the congregation I served. And we were big enough to have uh, all the organizations that smaller churches couldn't have, and so other, from other churches, they came to our young adults group and all this kind of thing. And then when I, I went to Conlig, it was a small uh, church between Bangor and Newtonards, and nothing much happened there. And those were days when there were other issues, and it was quite difficult for us. But that was a great preparation for me uh, to recognize the different kinds of ministry, being a, a pastor of uh, a thriving church is one thing, being the pastor of a small church that is struggling, and when your young people are converted, then they go to a, a different church with, that can have more extensive youth ministries. That taught me something, and I think that equipped me to be whatever kind of teacher I was at Union, that equipped me to be better than I would have been. Th those were difficult uh, years, uh, but the Lord was, the, the Lord's always preparing us for the present job and for the next job. Ruth, I'm going to ask you a question through all the things that you've experienced together. Um, I mean, there are many people who are married here. There are some people who will be about to get married. Um, what would be some of the factors that have, have made your marriage work? Oh, gosh. That's a hard one. You should have asked me that before. A um, very compliant husband. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say compliant wife. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Just love her. Okay. And tolerance. A, a, a common love. commitment. What? Love and tolerance and a, a common commitment, yeah, I think so. Okay, well, let me explore that a little bit further. I mean, you're, you're different personalities. Yes, so, 
you have uh, you have <laughs> issues you know that you have to work out either with with children or or with uh, decisions so how do you come to a common mind or, or, or is that an has that something that's always been easy to you or ha have you had a way of uh, of working your relationship I think we have just gradually been able to discuss things through um, and come to a mind eventually, not always immediately, but eventually, yes. Do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, somebody this morning had a, was wearing a lapel badge which said something, I'm boss, and he said to me, I'm allowed to wear it today. Because <laughs> uh, it's Father's Day. Uh, we, we had a common commitment. Uh, we uh, didn't take... To one another to start with. <laughs> yes, and, and to Christ. And that was, we wanted to honour him. It took some persuading to go to Brazil because of the family sacrifice. Uh, and uh, there, our children paid a higher price than that than what we realized at the time because they didn't want to trouble us with their problems. This was days, there wasn't, there was telephone, but it cost the earth. There was no emails. Three pounds a minute. And uh, we, uh, it, it was all done on the, my generation, you know, the blue airgrams, you know the ones? That's uh, so that you, you, you got a letter, you replied and sent it back. It took, you know, it, the guts of three weeks to go and come back. And the email hadn't started either. No. So, so that... Except for the yeah, Americans. We, we prayed together, we worked together. Um, yeah, now... Uh, but they were exciting days, Frank. Yeah. They were. Okay. I mean, it was something completely new. A new language to learn, it was brilliant. So, no, so that really was, was better a, than that I was. was a, yeah. a united experience as a married couple. Yes. And it, it brought you on your knees together. Oh, yeah. And the Brazilians were lovely. We loved working with the students. It was fantastic. I had a male voice choir with two sopranos, two altos who sang tenor. I said, you can join if you can sing tenor. So, uh, you know, that was fun. And the, the, the director of the seminary was absolutely delighted because he'd been wanting one for a few years. So. Were there any individuals or writers who had a profound influence on, on your lives? Yours probably more than mine. You, you mean <laughs> apart, apart from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? <laughs> and uh, so on. I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not sure, Frank. Um, I've, I, I've always been on the evangelical side of the church, but I, and would have had my favorite authors um, and respected people like Stott and others, but, but I, I, I don't think any one person that I know, uh, Mr. S still had a great influence upon you and you're still very respectful of him. I, I don't think I had anybody like that. Yeah. Uh, we, we learned our lives were enriched um, through all the, uh, the different ministries we've had uh, and, and uh, 
in case you don't ask me later, have been very enriched here in this congregation. Well, maybe that's a good thing to, a good time to ask. Um, this is um, a congregation that has its own fair share of faults, but what would be the one thing that, that is an encouragement to you in Bloomfield? You just were so welcoming. We love you all, really. Um, and I was here three months and I said to Bill, I'm staying put here. You can do what you like after you <laughs> retire, but I'm staying put. So that's a measure of just how we were welcomed. Yeah. Including it, yourself. Yeah. Uh, sort of your invitation to come here came out of the blue, Frank. I hadn't anticipated that. Um, and our time here has been... Uh, yes, Bloomfield is a, a warm, very friendly congregation. Um, I've found that uh, everyone, e even the, the, the people who wouldn't naturally be my allies, because let's face it, uh, I'm hard to take in some ways. Uh, and, and yet uh, there's, a, there's a friendship and a warmth uh, between us. We have our faults. Uh, I'm talking about you, not us. Uh, but, but you probably don't want me to go in on to that. I'm going to ask you one final question, and okay. this is probably the most significant question I'm going to ask you of the whole evening. Next generation, it has never been easy being a Christian, never. And um, this particular generation have specific challenges that uh, our generations never had. Mm. Bill, you haven't stopped thinking about young people and about the challenges that uh, they will have to face as believers in an increasingly secular environment. Um, with your hindsight and looking back, how would you want to address the coming generations of Christians, of Christian leaders, and of people who will own the name of Jesus in this part of the world and throughout the world. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> as you said, we haven't had notice of these. Uh, well, as I look back on um, my pilgrimage, and Ruth's was with me most of the most of the time, um, a number of things were fundamentally important for us. Of course, our commitment to Christ, which has to deepen. And he has to be first in everything. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of that. And as we, as we submit to him at each stage of our lives, we find the blessings which he gives. There are sacrifices, but they're nothing compared to the compensating blessings which the Lord gives. The, the, so there has to be that. Then I think, um, and looking at the, the young people over here, um, it, it's fundamentally important to be in a Christian fellowship with, not exclusively so, you know, you, 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 you have to be a good neighbor and a friend to others who, who, who aren't followers of Jesus, but it, it's fundamentally important to be in a, a, a Christian uh, fellowship, young people's group, whatever, that you grow up t together and you can share your problems and with 
appropriate leadership, you can be helped to grow and mature and uh, to, to face the challenges. And the, uh, another thing is, uh, I'm a strong believer in a multi-generational church. Uh, some of the churches that are really developing and are very attractive are one-generational. They are the 20s to 35s or something. And I was talking some time back to one of our elders <clears throat> who, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, I don't know, had been a member of such a group. And I said, why did you come to Bloomfield? And he said, I wanted a fellowship where there were old people and young people, because that's a family. And so it's very important, even though other things are attractive and churches can do some other things better than we can, and sometimes my generation are a drag on some of you lot, and sometimes you give us the heebie-jeebies, but <laughs> it is important that we are together as a family and learn from each other, and we need those dimensions, I think. Can I say one, one last thing? Of course. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about what my, my one thing to say to Bloomfield, and that's the only thing I've thought about. And, uh, and that's apparent from my answers, isn't it? Uh, the, the one thing I, I think I want to say about Bloomfield is to go back to uh, the, the area that I was given responsibility for, uh, not immediately at the start, but the, 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 the foreign mission side of our work. Now, I haven't done that perfectly, as some of my uh, colleagues and friends will say, but uh, I'm concerned now, uh, we've had Helen on the field for 35 years. She's on her last or her penultimate uh, term, and she'll be coming home. And I say, Lord, do you mean Bloomfield? not to have any member on the foreign field. Now, maybe he does, but I take some convincing about that. And so I, and Ruth and I have talked about this, we feel this is a challenge which we need to bring to, to, to the oldies. Uh, I, um, because of our family disruptions, uh, I didn't feel I would have loved to have gone overseas when I'd retired from Union, but uh, th that I don't think was the right thing, and your invitation showed me where I should go. F from the oldies and uh, the recently retired to the young people, and even to the Egypts in their 40s who went overseas when we do, we all have to face that challenge. And not just overseas, it may be to give up a good job and do some basic stuff in an unattractive way in the back streets of Belfast. We all have to face that challenge and know that if it is of the Lord and we say, yes, Lord, I'm willing, he will 
provide all that we need to do it to his glory. Well, um, uh, you're retiring uh, as senior associate of our congregation and you've been with us for 10 and a half years. You're not retiring from Bloomfield Congregation and we're so grateful for that that you will remain. I don't retire. You will remain, uh, you will remain here and be a very significant part of our life and witness here. But I'm going to do something uh, which I hope you don't mind, but maybe uh, two or three people might just like to stand up in the congregation as appropriate as we pray and, and lead us in prayer for these two uh, magnificent people. Will you do that? Frank, can I just and, speak and, and, and just one word before you do that? loud as well. Yes, Ruth. You see what I'm married here. <laughs> two weeks ago at the morning service, you talked about an adventure in faith. And that, I said, that's the, what the Christian life is. It's an adventure in faith. Go out and find your adventure. That's great. Good. Will somebody do some prayer? Mm. especially you've been a friend to me. Ruth, I'm going to entrust you with that. Um, it's just a wee tiny uh, gift from our congregation to say how much we appreciate you, how much we love you, and we hope uh, you're able to enjoy it and uh, know of our love. 
Um, Bill, uh, ten and a half years, they've just flown in. I honestly uh, can't, can't imagine where that time has gone. No. Uh, during that time that we've had the privilege of working together, you, you have been fun, you have been faithful, and you've been a great friend. And uh, while we've had many significant conversations and interactions with each other, I honestly cannot remember so much as a crossword between us. It's been uh, a joy, a joy, and uh, I just want to honour you and say thank you. Um, bless you. What about a round of applause? Okay. So may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide this night and forevermore.